Hey there, just a heads up before we delve into today's episode. This episode is sensitive and may trigger some negative emotions, especially among those of us who may have had a history of child sexual abuse or molestation. Because I thought that it was imperative to explore this topic with all honesty and openness, a lot of what we talked about might be heavy for some people to handle. So please be aware of this from the start before you venture any further. Thank you. Hello everyone, I am Marcibel and this is the Marcibel Podcast. Welcome back everyone to the Marcibel Podcast, a podcast about culture and cultural nomads designed for blacks and Asians and those who love them. I'm your host, Marcibel, Nigerian-born, US educated, Korean-speaking, struggling intellectual. Today I have on the show a spectacularly talented young lady and um, her name is Teresa or DJ, or like I like to call her, Ejia. She's a senior legal executive at an SAP partner company in Nigeria. She received her LLB law degree from Sheffield Hallam University in the UK. Then after interning briefly there for a city law firm in London, she moved back to Nigeria. I want to ask her why. <laughs> and received her barrister law from the Nigerian Law School in 2014. She's also a poet, a writer. She's the author of a book called Broken Porcelain. We're actually going to be reading an excerpt from the book today. Yay. And The Broken Porcelain, which is her new book, is a collection of poems. She likes to use her words to rescue people from grief, insecurities, or anything that poses as a stronghold in one's life. Basically breaking out the principalities and powers. Anyways, <laughs> everyone join me in welcoming Ejia to the podcast. What's up, girl? Yo. Hi. How are you? Good. And how are you doing today? Awesome. How about you? Good. Good. You know, simo, simo. That was an amazing intro, by the way. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I actually read everything you sent to me. So I should say thank you for sending that glowing piece about you. So I know you did go for a wedding this past weekend. How was it? Uh, it was great. It was really good. Had a lot of fun. Had mm. too much to drink, I guess. Mm-hmm. Fun to celebrate with the bride and groom. Nice. And seeing as you had so much fun, I hope it wasn't too much that you caught any unidentified flying object. <laughs> no. Good. I don't come out for things like that. I wonder why they still do that, by the way. I feel like it's it's just very, it's shaming in a way. For those that, I yeah, they, I, need, they need to scrap it. It's not nice. Really? I think so. I, I don't know. Like, I actually don't care. Apparently, it's tradition. It's part of the culture. But I don't pay attention to it at all. It's like when yeah. you're single is a problem, right? I know, like get everybody married off. See, this is why I, prefer, I this is why I prefer attending funerals to weddings. I feel like with funerals, like there's more meaning, and I know it sounds very counterintuitive. It's so scary, like there's just sober reflection. But sometimes not even sober reflection. Especially if the person is very old. But I find that people are their best at a funeral than at a wedding. I don't think so, Talani. I think it, human beings are quite strange. They would mourn a person in celebration like they are not really mourning a person it's just like let's get it over it basically like human beings like they're strange they would rather be at a party celebrating they can't be bothered you know trying to mourn someone we don't even mourn people for a long time we move on so quickly because it's like we're conditioned to be that way well yeah but i feel like especially I'm, us uh, nigerians and people in the west my friends from asian culture they have a totally different view on, on grief and how to mourn people but that thing you said about people just want to they want to just mourn and do that quickly yeah yeah, I feel, I feel like that quick part of it actually makes the funeral like you know more 
purposeful. Because it's like, you know what, this person yeah. is dead, let's just get on to us. But we're waiting for the ridiculous of the long sermons. Like, who? Oh, wedding. Like, where, like, where are wedding. going on a two-hour rad-slash-sermon on how wedding should be like between the groom and the bride? Like, everybody knows. Everyone married knows that. It's not what you hear on that day that can actually sustains you. Like, nope. It's kind of like that open book exam you have during the test. Like, your professor tells you, this might come out, but it never comes out. And you spend that <laughs> yeah. last one hour, like, reading it, but it never comes out in the exams. Everybody knows that. But, you know, like, let's, let's be very, very... Um, Mindful of people's time. Anyways, I'm glad. I'm glad you had fun. Thank you. Uh, for those listening, um, Itchy and I go way, way back. I'm talking about 1997. Jeez, right? Louise, oh girl, we're old. <laughs> you don't have to expose us like that. Hey, uh, but hey, 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 we don't crack, okay? It's the Vaseline. Um, we went to high school together, actually. We went boarding house together for six years. And I think the first time yeah. we met was probably in 1997. Wait, six or seven? Oh, no, 97. Because I, I remember the first day I stepped foot in high school was January 17, 1997. It was on a Friday. I, I so you're late. I was, yeah, I was late because I was, uh-huh. my, my parents were still trying to decide they don't want to be a distant or a border. So I missed the term. So I came in second term. Oh, okay. I came in first term, but I was later. So I came in December. Oh, so, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Technically that was like, and that was like, you know, <laughs> second term. Cause I, I, did you take any exams? You didn't, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. Exactly. I didn't. So you were second term as well. And for those wondering what second term, first term, it wasn't like our prison sentences. We actually, actually, you know, no. yeah, it was our prison, prison sentences. Cause when boarding house was no, six years. It wasn't prison. <laughs> Come on. It was fun. I think boarding house was no, fun. No, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. See, this is what we it always do. This is, all, this is what we always right? do about the good old days. We forget all the sufferings. It wasn't all fun, it, yeah. There were sufferings, like the seniors and the horrible things. Oh, deal. Into the woman you are now. It did. See? It did. It did. It did. <laughs> but GS1 to GS3, which was the first three years of burning house in high school, was hellish for me. You know, there was Damn. constant bullying and you know, I was just away from my family that, having to get a I job Because you had a friend. sister. I was bullied. <laughs> you had a sister, honey. I didn't have any sister in school. I, I was I was actually bullied. I was bullied a lot. Oh yeah, by those seniors. You remember those... them, right? Yeah, I was bullied a lot. I do. I now remember. I think, I think it, it just took a lot for me not to be that way as a senior. Because I no, I have I had to be very intentional not to like exact the same punishment that was loaded on me, you know, by those seniors. Because people were really mean. And to think that they were just sixteen or seventeen when they were doing all of that. They're really young and I know, wonder what they and evil. From. How? Where did they pick that from? I hope their their family, will, their moms or their dads. Like when we became seniors, like I don't think, I don't think we are mean. No, I don't. No. I wasn't mean as a senior. I'm saying that out there, like anybody. I was, I, I, I was never mean. I was <laughs> never mean. In fact, I was even had it. Sometimes it took, it took a lot for them for my juniors to like take me seriously. Like I was just that jovial. I mean, once in a while, I would just go off on a on a very rude girl. Like you know, just go off on her. Like maybe tell her to raise her hand, and you know. Like yeah, but that if she misbehaves, like, yeah. or if she bedwets, like, she bedwets well, on like, you. I know, but not, like, stripping her off of her stuff and, you know, parading her around the quadrangle and, and hitting her and, yes. you know, slapping yeah. her. And, Please, my goodness. Uh, Anyways, no. I, I guess I should bring you back again. We should just talk about burning house. But so, <laughs> <I did. laughs> um, so like yeah. I said, we've, we go a long way and connected recently because we're just one of those friendships where you don't really talk to yourself. But you do know that, you know, that friendship is there. It wasn't just, yeah. you know, very like, hey, what's up? How you doing? And I'm not going to tell you what, what year we graduated from school. So that way, 
Y'all won't know how old we are. Once in your 30s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most women in my age, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 30s, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Once I got to my 30s, I just say, I'm in my 30s. That's I it. Don't, that's it. Like, specific. what do you want to know exactly? <laughs> like, don't even start asking me exactly how old I am. Are you going to put some money in it? You know, we are in our 30s. Well, always going to be in our 30s for the longest time. Yeah, I'm not leaving. <laughs> I, I, I love this decade, I tell you, because it's it helped me define myself more. So, Adria, tell us a little bit more about you. Just a little bit more. Uh, okay, so obviously, um, I am a lawyer. So I would not disclose exactly how old. <laughs> but I'm an elector. <laughs> I'm in my early 30s. I'm still, I don't say single. I say unmarried because it gets to a certain age where you don't say I'm single. Exactly. So I am unmarried mm. <laughs> and I have this book, which I really adore that I um, recently published. Um, what else about me? I am very finicky, I think, and very stubborn. And there's so many other things. I don't like talking about me. This is weird. That's really good. And, and like I said, congrats on your, your, your new book, because that's a good achievement to have. But we're going to go on a very sober tone now, because there's one poem I would like for her to read. And it's from her book, the one, the collection of poems from the book called Broken Bustling. And this particular one is called Self-Baptism. And I don't think I have the, the right um, skills to read our poems. I do enjoy reading poems to myself alone, but I'll let her do justice mm-hmm. to the poem. And then we can use that as a way to begin the conversation. All right. So carry on, Asia. Okay. So this is cell baptism. Ready? Yes. And I would take long baths every time he touched me, like I was performing self-baptism from sins I didn't commit. I would use disinfectant on my skin instead of scented oil for purification purposes. And I always used it without diluting, so it would burn off the memories currently built in my child mind. I never dry off the water on my skin for fear that anything that came close to my newly purified body was sinful. Wow. Let me just take a, a hot second to like let us sink in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> because the first time I read this, it was just... Man, it was uncomfortable, but not in a way that it's made me... uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it, it's not in a way that made me look away from it, but it was in, uncomfortable in a way that made me start... Let's dissect it. And I'm glad you're here because art is something that is um, very... What's the word? Subjective. Like you read something and you might have different interpretations to it. And I wouldn't insult your intelligence by telling, letting us know exactly what every line is. <laughs> As a person consuming the art, because like when you're telling jokes, you want to put together the joke. It doesn't make sense uh-huh. for to explain the jokes to you. This is what I'm going to do. For every line, I'm going to say what it what it meant to me, what I interpreted it as, and then you can let me know if I was in the right direction or not. Cool. And if I wasn't, maybe I gave you a new discovery. Yeah, you as a writer probably did think that me as a consumer would share. So let me know that as yeah. well. Okay. All right. Self-baptism. Even the title itself. Let's start from the title itself. <laughs> You know yeah. that if you do that, like if you baptize yourself, you are at the risk of drowning because you need somebody <laughs> to bring you back up. So there's already that, that play you have with life and death. Like, you know, it's a very thin line for you. And I don't know if that was what you had in mind when you wrote self-baptism. Okay, so you know how, well, what baptism is like mm-hmm. washing of sins, basically. Yeah. It's just, so I'm hiding behind words here. Washing our sins. Yeah. Away, but you're doing it alone. Obviously, you're not doing it with a priest or a pastor involved. Yeah. You're giving yourself self baptism every yeah. time this occurs or whatever occurs. But we'll, we'll go through it. So it's basically like cleansing of impurities and whatever sins you've committed. 
And I feel like you also have to consider that I'm not Catholic. And I know some, like, most Catholic guys do, like, sprinkling, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm like the other. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Pentecostal oh, yeah. orientation. We have to so dunk you in. Back you, right? I know, that's, yeah. why, that's why I see. See, what, what, is it a bathtub or it's uh, well, like a lake? It depends on, it depends on, I've seen like the church. Large, on the church and the space they had. I, mine was at the, in, at the Lagoon, you know, University of Lagos. Like, so <laughs> my scenes are, sorry. my scenes are floating there. Just heads up, anybody that goes there swimming, you might be Your swimming. Your scenes are there. My scenes are there. Damn. You're causing so, all the chaos in, in Lagos. I'm telling you, really? I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Easy being me, I tell you that much. Um, so that's that. And then it, the first line was, I will take long bath every time he touched me. Man. Okay. That's, that's just, you know, it's just, it's just what it is. Because I want to imagine that this person is definitely not in a relationship where they feel safe. It's not a consensual sexual relationship. And it goes like, like I was performing self-baptism for scenes I didn't commit. So now you see the title play a role in one of the lines. And almost like... Uh-huh. When you when you're in a sexual relationship with somebody, you shouldn't feel this way. You know, uh-huh. if you already feel like there's a scene you did not come in, then I'm beginning to see that this person is in a relationship where the power balance is in there. Like whoever uh-huh. they're having sex with has more power over them in that relationship. Absolutely. And then, well, well, go ahead. Do you want me to dissect that one? Of course. <laughs> I've done my homework, so let me know if I talk about it. So yeah, I like your angle. I completely like your angle. But like when I wrote this, I was writing it um, as an abused child, a child that has been molested. Um, although obviously children don't take their baths themselves, yeah. but if they would, this is what they would be thinking or this is what they would be doing, trying to completely wash themselves off something they don't understand you know as a child i was out of experience you if things like this happen to you you know that it's bad but you don't know what it is you just know it's bad and you think that the solution to it is to shower and it would go away yeah so but i do like your interpretation to it um that could be seen as that because though many people read this and from their experiences, they would come up with different Friendly. interpretation, yeah, which is yeah, okay. Yeah. As long as you get the point or as long as you know that this is just about a non-consensual sex or sexual relationship. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. And then the next line, I would use disinfectant on my skin instead of scented oils for purification purposes. So initially, from that first line, I thought maybe... It could have been, like you said, it maybe it was a child. But then this idea of using mm. scented oils, like, sorry, disinfectant on their skin instead of scented oils, it made me seem like the person was probably mm. older than a child because a child, you wouldn't expect them to know the concept of scented oils. But then regardless of maybe it was a child when it started and now as an adult, it's still going on. Because one thing we know mm. about rape is that if you've been raped before, mm. the chances that the, the recurrence is higher in, in the first yeah. time. And for those that were sexually molested as a kid and Usually you have people that are close to the child that do that. Could be a family member or a neighbor. So that point of contact might never break away in such a way that the child yeah. is always, almost always going to be exposed to a recurrence. So I thought to myself, maybe the cycle of that, maybe the length or the duration of the rape just kept going on. It was perpetuated for so long. Now that this person has grown up to be an adult and it's still going on over yeah. and over again. And for you to want to use disinfectant, you know, because uh-huh. instead of scented oils, that's like self-hurt, that's self-harm, which is very common in uh-huh. of rape. The fact that you feel like uh-huh. you have to purify your body. Because 
of all the things that can be done to you, rape is probably one of the worst because this is your own body. Mm. You have to carry it along yeah. with you for the rest of your life. There's no escaping it. So that was my, that was my interpretation to that. Yeah. Another theme I see here is even though this is this is you being a victim, you also take on the dual role of being a villain by burning yourself, yeah. you know, by by harming yourself because a part of you feels responsible. Even though as a child you shouldn't take on that guilt because a child shouldn't ever feel like it was me, I did it, I was something about me that attracts this kind of people to me. And I see you know, I see that a lot. Rape cases. I like that you I like that you said that. You know how like in rape cases they always say she asked for it. I know. What, what was she wearing when that happened? I'm what like, of a child oh that is molested? I know. Children don't ask for it. They don't even know what is happening. So it's never the victim. And it's crazy how, like, the burden of proof is on the victim. On the, yeah. And uh, when, in, obviously, in rape cases, um, I think in sexual harassment as well. But how does, like, when it comes to molestation, child molestation and child abuse, um, it's not it's not that way like you can't say that the child was asking how is a two-year-old asking for it yeah 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 yeah. wow um thank you for that and then the final stanzas was stanza was i never dry off the water on my skin for fear that anything that came close to my newly purified body was sinful now the two things, I was kind of cut off with this because there are two things I see here. Okay. okay. Maybe she had gotten to a point where she feels purified again, but almost like she still knows that it's going to happen again. You know, so she's kind of preparing herself. And that broke my heart because chances are those that have been molested or that's right, kids. They, it's like a perpetual thing. And sometimes it goes on until maybe adulthood. And, and that, so that broke my heart. Yeah. Because the moment I saw like, you know, um, newly purified, I'm like, okay. But then I, I go back again and I'm like, then get no, she, it's gonna happen again. Cause and then the fact that Prem talks about her body being sinful, that kind of shows what you've embodied as a person, as you know, a victim of rape, a victim of sexual molestation. Yeah. Like this body isn't yours anymore. And a lot of articles have been written about children of rape. You mm-hmm. tend to compartmentalize. You can your body can be here, but you can go far away. And there's always so that right. you know um, feeling about your body isn't yours and trying to escape from it. Some deep. It's no deep and and. <laughs> Thank you for you know sharing this with me because reading it is just yeah I mean, the emotions just cousin through me and I do hope that you know for those that have experienced rape that they can see this poem as a way to just let them know that hey you're not alone you know and I don't yeah, do to yourself you know we hope you stop doing them but that this is why these things you do to yourself this is why they are that way and that's why one of the things mm-hmm. I've learned recently when we see people do things bad things to themselves over and over again instead of just asking like why are you like this like why are you doing this to yourself ask them what we happened judge, right? like, what happened to you you know what happened yeah, to we you we, we, we are, I think we're just so quick to want to move past that phase that we don't really get to connect with people and find out you know what has your journey been like like I think it's like a selfish lifestyle we've um, adopted it's like we all know why we're going through shit sorry can I say that's fine I'll take it off we're going through <laughs> Welcome into stuff in life. It's a messy world. So everyone's just like, it's me. It's my life. Like I'm going through my own. So we can't really empathize with people anymore. We can't really, you know, try and reach out and see what they're going through, try and understand, give a loving advice or loving hug. It's just me too. I'm going through my own stuff. You know, life is hard. I'm going through it. I'm dealing with it. So we just automatically expect others to deal with it. Uh, That's painful though. Um, I think we need to stop, step back and also try and, you know, consider people, try and, you know what, you don't know what people are going through. It might be worse than your situation. And you might just be, I wouldn't say stronger, 
better at dealing with things that than they can know what they are. Yeah. 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 In fact, which reminds me of a, of a line from, like, it's a Korean proverb in a way. And I'll say it in Korean and I'll interpret okay. it in English. Because to me, it, it kind of ties to what you what you just talked about now. Nice. And it's, like, how many things we've lost touch with while living our lives and how much we live and forget. You know, like, Oof. I know, I know, I know. Everybody, Time. we're just like on this marathon, like running our track, but we don't get to like, we don't even stop for a second to look left and right because, to see, to see yeah. if the people we started with are still on the same track. And if they are not, they will be left behind. Not because, you know, they weren't fast enough. They just want to be left behind. But at least you have to find out if, they, uh-huh. if it's something they plan to do intentionally That's or something just, you know, stop them in their tracks. So I feel like we need to be very yeah. conscious. And this is one of the reasons why I love having this platform to bring people on board so we can connect to each other because we all have struggles. We all have, you know, those things that yeah. keep us up at night. And for some of us, we have things that happen to us in our childhood that interrupted our childhood in such a that we've grown up to become a version of the self that we're still trying to recognize we're still trying to Oof. appease to that child in us like that that kid in us that was hot that was bruised from one reason or the other because until you sit down and talk to yourself and find out you know how do i reconcile this child in me that is still waiting to be to be heard you know how do yeah. if i don't do that but then you know i would just say like don't blame yourself at all for whatever experiences you had as a child try not to you know place the fault on yourself because it's not raped or abused for a long time there is no way you should carry that baggage by yourself you should try it's difficult to move on yeah. it's always better to talk to someone i would say talk to people it's difficult because people judge others but you can pick out someone you can trust and you can talk to yeah see you relieve yourself of all the baggage if you talk to someone you do yes. try and just stay positive i hate that word but maybe look up maybe look up try and look up a little bit don't look ahead look exactly and let me, let me quickly try and add this one along that line if somebody opens up to you like somebody comes to you and opens up to you about their struggles you are obligated to listen to them and if you cannot even offer the solution to them, find send them to somewhere else where they can get it. And if you betray that person's trust by talking about what they've told you Oof. in confidence, I can't even tell you the amounts of coal that you're gonna keep keeping on your head. Like don't let don't break people's trust. And I feel like people do that a lot. Like someone comes to you and tells you something about themselves. And that's why you have people that say they can't trust anybody. Okay, fine. If you cannot trust friends, go pay a therapist to listen to you. They're obligated to not, you know, divulge yeah. information out. If they do that, they're going to be very rich from the losses you're going to, you know, slap on them. It's always nice, though. To, uh, but it's always nice to to talk to someone, not someone professional, like someone close to you. people feel like they cannot do that. I mean, I've, had, I've had people talk to me like, I don't have people around me I can trust. So, like, take for example, someone opened up to me recently. Then they told somebody in their church yeah. about something that we're going through. And before she knew, yeah. before she could even say Jack, she, the pastor summoned her and Ooh. then they started talking to her. It was like, are you kidding me? I confided in you about a problem I had and then bam, you've told everybody. And I feel like in the That's name not of religion, spiritual it's behavior. It's not a spiritual that behavior. Is, if you are not in that space yeah. to receive what someone is telling, let them know. I'm sorry, like what you're going through is way heavy for me right now. I can't... I- Yes, people just like to gossip. I think that's but what it is. We become somebody in that somebody, situation. Somebody's because it's nice. Human beings like the idea that someone is doing worse than they are. So they kind of just spread it and like, look at what this person is going 
Uh, and it just tells you something about their character, not who you are for sharing that. I mean, it's great for you to share whatever deep information you did, but you can't really, you have to look past it and say, you know, that's who they are. They've expressed that, that you've learned your lesson, yeah. but that shouldn't prevent you from talking to other people. Like, just talk. Like, even if people do spread it and gossip about you, it's okay yeah. to be honest because we are actually going through the same thing. Just is the only thing is some people just don't talk about. It. But don't let people like change you. You know, some other people that I also talk oh. to are strangers. Like I've, I sat down beside strangers and I had somebody I sat down with at the airplane and we just talked about everything. And I mean, she, I'm sure you have that character, like that personality where people feel comfortable. It must be that. Oh, well, you know, I've heard that. I've heard that a lot express. about me. I've heard that a lot about myself. But this person listened to me and I listened to them and I felt like we're like long lost souls. And for the whole three hours, we talked about everything. Like if my mom was like behind me listen to me people will have given me that nigerian slap like i keep your mouth shut that's your family <laughs> like i bore my soul to a stranger <laughs> there was time i invited a stranger to my house like literally to my house and we sat down we talked over a cup of coffee and we just kept talking i mean it didn't sound safe but i, I wasn't afraid of my personal safety but we talked a lot and it felt good it felt good i told them things i probably wouldn't tell people that are very close to me people easily trust strangers you're not really investing in them emotionally. Yeah. They might not be your friends. Yeah. So you just like, okay, I can just like pull this out. Even if it tells I wouldn't know them. So maybe, so they feel so more maybe you use strangers as your training wheels. It's um interesting. Um, The topic of molestation. I was discussing with my friend that, you know, like, Talking about molestation, the reason why this topic matters to me is because I feel like children especially here in this country, are not protected they're not, at all. They're not. They're not. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Children are protected in our country, Nigeria. And I, I, I want to throw these statistics out. And it hasn't been validated. It hasn't been confirmed. It's just my hunch. Uh -huh. Got a ten of my female friends that grew up in Nigeria. At least eight out of nine or five. Is it eight? eight? I'm telling you. At least eight, if, let's just talk about like, if it's that uncle that wants to sit you, like, put you on their lap. When they have like a fully red penis, or someone just—I mean, it's, it's and it starts from childhood. Oh, and I'm like, what's going that? on? Like, what's going on? And I don't know how bad it is. I don't know how really vigilant you know the parents are. And I think the the double jeopardy here is we don't have that open line of communication sometimes to tell our parents about these things. Have you ever like you know growing up as a child, parents would be like, some parents are like, don't go and get pregnant, don't get pregnant. No one ever tells you. Sit down and say, this, this body of yours belongs to you. This part, no one tells you what you should protect, what should not be touched, what should not be valid. They, should, they don't tell you, you know, this one, if anybody touches you here, come and report it. So make sure you tell me if somebody is doing this, if someone's saying this, even if you're 16. Yeah. You know, talk to your child and say, if you have a boyfriend, if you want to talk to a child, tell them everything. Break it down. Don't feel embarrassed to tell them because we'll find out. Anyways, yeah. and we might find out through like the bad way or the good way. Yeah. So you as a child, if you now have been violated, first of all, you don't even know what it is because children don't know, especially growing up. I was born in the 80s. So those period 90s, you that we didn't have access to Internet. Now children can just Google things yeah. and educate themselves. So we didn't have Internet. We didn't learn. If you heard the word, any foul, not what, any Bad profane word, yeah. language, mm -hmm. you'd be like, oh, my God. You know, like, you're so terrified. Yeah. No one has told you what that word meant, but you just know it's a bad word. Yeah. Same thing as if someone violates you, touches you inappropriately, 
you just know it's bad, but you don't know what it is. You probably discover later when you go to boarding house, yeah. and then you guys are talking amongst and you yourself, and you're like, that, oh, that's what that person has been doing yeah. to me. Yeah. So you now know what it means, but you knew it was bad. But, and you can't even tell your parents because they might blame you. As a child, <sighs> they would blame, they might, they might, they would, I don't know, some parents might not, but they might blame, just that fear that, oh, I've disgraced my mom and dad. Yeah. Therefore, I can't tell them. So I have to keep this. And as we say, you deal with it. it. So I think we need to open that dialogue. Um, Parents shouldn't be ashamed. to. This thing is happening everywhere. Nannies are abusing children. And it's not only. I've had a lot of my male friends talk to me about how they too were violated, you know, by their friends' sisters or by their um, their house helps. Because I'm not even exploring the male angle. I'm talking about the female angle here because we hear more that more a lot. But with the male angle, you can't even talk really about yeah, like, so you were raped, haha, be a man, you know, be a man. And I feel like if we were to hear from them, we'll probably hear a lot more than we've been you know used to hearing they tell men not to cry so men yeah. don't yeah so i'm not saying that uh, let's even throw that out there rape occurs in males and females we know that you know yeah, and, and sure. the only one we're talking about right now that, that, we're, that we're not focusing on male rape doesn't mean like we don't we're not aware it happens and i would like to have someone in the show today okay. to talk more on that because I, I had a friend just tell me about you know how he was you know sexually molested by his friend's sister and how it was traumatic for him, but he couldn't tell anyone about that. And he was still in high school. That he just imagined his friends laughing at him. That like, why should I just enjoy yourself? You know. And I see that narrative play out a lot okay. here. Like when you hear about a, a, a high school teacher, female teacher molesting a, a young boy, and then a high school male teacher molesting a female student. The the way mm-hmm. the way the sentiments are played out. One is seen like you know, oh, almost like another twisted love story. And another one's like, oh, what a molester, what a pedophile. Yeah, but pedophiles, mm. like if you're having sex with underage people, definition is pedophile. But anyways, um, it's, let's... it's crazy because um, the criminal code in Nigeria, the criminal code law, laws of federation does not, the definition does not say a woman can rape a man. It says a man, like it just says a person rapes a woman, refers to her, refers to everything as her. You rape her hey, you, without her consent. Really? It doesn't say he's, it doesn't say... Yes, that is really. just, that's just um, gender insensitive. And I, so, yeah. <laughs> so definitely that needs a review. ASAP. For sure. And this is, this is what are because, our lawmakers doing? No, let's not even go into that. Two points. If you've, uh-huh. if you've ex- experienced um, sexual molestation, if you've been raped, and that affects you. I don't know how you, you, no matter if you're still denying that, that has a lot of impact on you because something was taken away from you. You know, something was taken away from you. Please find somebody to talk to. Please find somebody to talk to. Find a friend. Find a professional to confide in. And I hope you make that step today yeah. into towards wholesomeness. And I, ho- I, know, I hope you also know that you are still worthy to be loved. And that what happened to you wasn't your fault. You know, and as yeah. a result of the person you've become, how guarded you are and how fragmented you are, that wasn't your fault. But from today, mm-hmm. I hope you can take that chance. And for parents listening to this, please open that communication line for your kids so they can approach you and talk to you about everything without have them having to feel like they have to manage your own emotions or have to deal with your anger mm-hmm. at them for being putting themselves in that situation. And there's no putting themselves in that situation because there are bad people around that will prey on younger people. So it was nothing your kid yeah. did. You know, somebody bad took advantage mm-hmm. of them. So don't let them suffer twice by having to not want to talk to you about it because they're afraid of your reaction to that. It's it's sad how um, parents in our country, in Nigeria, how they brought us up. They, I don't, I I guess it's because 
that is also how the upbringing they, they had were, as yeah, children. They, had children yeah. they, I don't know if we're ashamed to talk about it, we're embarrassed to talk about it, but I feel like it's created more problems, so more harm than good. Because once you're molested, it's only like a few people, I think, a few percentage that can actually move on from it mentally. You can move on physically as a human being. But the moment you remember, sometimes like your reactions and your behavior comes from your experiences. It does. It does. Bad experiences. It does. It so does. people wonder why, people wonder certain things, why you this way, why you, um, um, there's a word that is coming to my head, but like they wonder why you're a certain way, why you always closed off defensive. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's rooted from that day, that experience, it just originated from that experience. One thing, a, a, an uncle touching you or an older guy, your neighbor touching you or penetrating, doing things. So I would ask myself, like, who do you blame? Who are we to blame, to be honest? This is, this is what I see. There's a cycle that just keeps going on and on and until we break it. Because chances that no matter how perfect your family is, no matter how perfect your parents are, they cannot shield you from things that might happen to you in life. Not, not everything. Not everything, yeah. But you know, I yeah. feel like the way we were brought up, you know, I don't know, I don't know what kind of um, community style child rearing they use that in such a way that those things could happen. But the fact that you go home and you can't even talk to somebody about it, to me, even makes it worse because you internalize that. So you grow up as a broken individual, mm-hmm. you know, and like you said, people don't just look at you, oh, she's, she's, she's first off, she's guarded, something off the mm-hmm. her, she can't even be in a steady relationship, or she's, mm-hmm. you know, she's had too many boyfriends, what's up with her? Because I feel like for most of the females that have gone through this, it just never goes off unless you really get help. And then you want to even talk about rape, it's almost like, oh, what were you wearing? What did you do? You know, yeah, what that's, you and it's almost like question. it casts a shade to the, on the family of the victim. And I'm like, yeah. how, how does that even make sense? You know, when we talk about rape, we say, you know, we blame the victim. And they, the first question people say, what were you wearing? What did you do? Was, were you drinking? So those questions are blame questions. People are trying to see if it, you were at fault and you asked for it. There's that I, thing. I always use this analogy of if or, your car got broken into and then the cops came and they were you know, taking a report from you. But like, they won't ask you, like, so, uh, were your windows down, ma'am? What was the color of the paint of your mm-hmm. car? Were you flashing your headlights? Like, were you asking so for, it? Ask for you it? You know, did your car ask for it? Was the, is the, is the bumper, is the bumper, like, round-shaped or, like, big or wide? Like, were you asking for it? Mm-hmm. Why do we do that to people that have been raped? Like, why are we asking them those kind of questions? And this is why I feel like it fits into that culture of rape. Let me even ask you this question. Do you think there's a culture of rape in Nigeria? Tony, yes. It's such an obvious thing. Ah, the problem with this is that no one wants to talk about it. And it happens a lot. I read some. It happens a lot. Like rape. I read some. Rape is the highest, like the third highest crime in Nigeria. That after, um, like yeah, I'm from um, internet fraud. No, it's not even internet fraud. They're all like um, violence. Um, there's the. Domestic abuse, then um, I think grievous bodily harm. Yes, those two. After those two, rape is the third, which might be inaccurate anyways. So in my head, I'm thinking rape is the first because nobody's held accountable for rape. We don't have a system that works. And the burden of proof is always on the woman. And now, like, I think you were telling me, you were telling me a while ago that there has to be penetration for them to... And I'm like, 
can with recall canal knowledge. You, you, so my hands are like my hands are like up in the air right now. I'm just waving them like a crazy person. Like, are you kidding me? Like there has to be penetration for you to penetration to prove rape. Are you kidding me? To prove rape. Yes. Plus that's why it's very difficult to prove rape. Um that's why they say when you've been raped, the first thing you have to do is to call someone. Because you need to do an a forensic forensic exam. How, how, um, how reliable are those? In this country exactly, or in the world? Like, in, no, no, not in the world. No, I've seen it. I've seen it on you know Law and Order. I know it in works. Nigeria, in Nigeria, do they have kids? Do they even have do, do most apart from the I'm Arab sad center? To say, do they have rape kids? The first thing that happens in Nigeria is. Um, if someone has been raped and you go and report it, the first thing people were so judgmental in this country, people start judging you. So we take so much time. They even probably say, sit down there, um, pay, pay something, pay a fee, pay this. Um, you're supposed to have assistance with all those things. So you're supposed to get maybe like, uh, I think there should be a body that should provide you, you know, assistance with maybe legal representation, paying yeah. off the fees. But I don't think we have that. So when you go there, you're even more, embarrassed and you feel worse because it's rape it's not just your body it's now your mind as well but then you go and you're judged what were you wearing i know how they talk um what were you doing did you foster guy what were you telling so you don't you're not encouraged to report at it. all at all so at all. and i feel like I you keep it to yourself and you deal like, you deal with it and then you you become that person that just especially like obviously because we're talking about Mostly, we're talking about um, specifically molestation. Okay. Um, I read somewhere um, there's one law, which is the Child Rights Act 2003. And okay. on the section 23, it says, obviously, unlawful, it talks about unlawful sexual intercourse with a child. And the penalty for it is actually imprisonment for life. But how many, how many of the s- stories do you hear? How many people do you hear go to prison for... <laughs> Child molestation. I haven't, I haven't heard of anyone. I haven't. I haven't heard of anyone. And I haven't heard of cases of people using money. Pay like, off. Yes. Yeah, pay off. Yeah. Thank you for that word. I still still need money. My brain is still trying to burn. And I feel like we, like, if you, if you, if you come out as a victim of rape, that's all you're going to be known as. Oh, she was raped. Oh, she was raped. And who wants that label attached to their person but like, for the rest of their life? Well, I mean, don't, but don't you think that is the, is those that label that should be blamed? Of course, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I don't support that at all. But I feel like that's one of the things that is preventing people from really coming out and saying, this person did this to me when I was three or four or five, however old you were. So this topic, this topic is quite sensitive. I'm telling you. Um, I'm very uncomfortable. Okay, no problem. Um, let's go to the Mardi Gras section of the podcast and then we can come back with final comments. How's that? Awesome. All right. Swap day, who would you switch your day with and why? Um, can I mention two people? Well, you can, yeah. First person I first person I would like to swap with um will be this poet called Rupi Kaur. I want to say I just knew you were gonna say that. Of course why? I, I, I knew you were gonna say that. She lives in Canada. I follow her on Instagram. I was just gonna like if you post a little bit, I was gonna say this thing, it's gonna be like jinx. Of course I know her. My only problem with her, though, is that she writes everything in small letters. I find her very highly pretentious. Like, she wouldn't capitalize her eyes or, you know, capitalize her first words. 
See, I can say a lot of negative things about her and her writing. Yeah, I don't always agree Honestly, with her. Like, some things are not poetry. Like, I that's don't. not poetry. That's like stuff you write on your, on your toilet paper and then like, flush it that down. What you text, that's what you text your friend. I know, it's not poetry. Don't use that plus. Yeah, I don't agree with every, almost everything she writes. But some that's right, I'm like, good. I think the reason why it would be high is just because of how... Okay, I don't want to say this in an embarrassing, like, in a rude way. But, like... There's so many ways to create art. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. There's so many ways to create art. Honestly, it's crazy that somebody would take a paintbrush and just draw a line and some, <laughs> 10 million people be like, wow. <laughs> it's the world we live in. It's the world we live in. It's the world we live in. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> what? You know what's interesting about that is that it's who it's coming from. It's the confidence behind it. Yeah. It's that person. It's not what they've created. It's who they are. Yeah. And Whoopika has captivated so many people. It's interesting to me because at first when I was reading her work, I was just like, no. <laughs> really, really this, isn't, this isn't really thought out. Like, it's not it's that not. deep. I want to think that she didn't start this way. This is, this is my fear for her. Like, at the point she might cease to become relevant. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, there's so much hype now. There's so much there hype is, about there is, there is, there is. Did you read uh, her? Did you read her uh, Milk and Honey book? I, no, I didn't. Okay, okay. I read some. I read some of her poems. Like she's she she has like two point something million followers on Instagram, and she's following nobody. That's a bad sign, honey. <laughs> That's a bad sign, honey. Like, oh my really, god, she doesn't. She, now she, I want to change. She has no followers. <laughs> she has no followers. Like, what are you? Two point seven million people are following you, and you cannot follow one person back not even your mother yeah. or her publisher or her friend or someone that has inspired her like really who are you like do you think you're more important than the rest of us i actually didn't know that but i'm gonna take, i need to i need to stop i'm gonna take I need that, to stop I'm gonna take that back. My i don't want to stop life with her don't let me ruin her for you get off get off that stop sipping it get off that hater okay okay who's the second person you like to stop with it. The second person is also <laughs> the second person is also for us. I actually really like mm-hmm. I am going to choose um the famous talented Rudy Francisco. Rudy, Rudy. Oh Rudy <laughs> I love him. I love I love I love his, his I adore style. him. He is talented. He is. He should be more popular than he is currently. Like, and he's not even very fine on Twitter. Yeah. You know he's not even very fine on Instagram. He's not. No, he's not. I think, he's not. I think I sent a message, like I tweeted something and I um tagged um Rudy Francisco and he replied. So it's like, ooh, okay, that's is this is nice. He communicates. He's not arrogant. Yeah, you know, but hold on, that can't but, change. Though. If it becomes very popular, he might stop responding to you. I hope not. But no, no, let's even put that. Let's put that aside. Or maybe Let, let's very focus busy. on substance now. Oh, there was one he did about my honest poem. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Like, it still gives me shivers. I can eat his words with Amala. And I don't really like Amala. Okay, yeah, I love Rudy. Now, there was one, there was one, so, that, yeah, there was one that he, he that, I, that I read somewhere. And I, I, I just can't forget. I was like, loving you was the last thing I felt really good at. And I'm like, just shut up. Like, who does that? Like, oh shut God. up. <laughs> and there's another one he says, you want to know, I think he goes like, you want to know how I got this card? I swallowed my pride. It clawed its way out of my mouth. Like, I'm pretty, brother. Yes. I never have to go to church today. I've been Please church, sir. girl. <laughs> so 
So yes, I agree with your choice of the, of, of swapping your life, a day in your life with Rudy Francisco. Definitely endorse that. That one I, I endorse. Him. I have nothing to spoil Rudy for because I love him. I love I love his raw, rawness about words, about struggles. You know, oh my goodness, he's beautiful. If you want to define what spoken word is and what writing is and what poems or poetry is. Rudy Francisco. Yep. He's so talented. Yep. Like, he inspires me. So I literally listen and read. I haven't bought his book. A good friend of mine bought it. Helium, which one? And was like, dude, I'm giving to you. <laughs> Helium, yeah. He yeah. was like, I'm giving to you as a gift. Just Aww. be patient. Because, yes, he's so good. And he takes you several places. Like, you're like, he this person has very either insane or creative to come up with this because I get it. Like, And I, I'm looking him up now on Instagram. He has about 90-something <laughs> thousand followers. And he's following a thousand and something people. <laughs> Unlike our Madame Rupi Koda has nobody that she's following. <laughs> 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 okay. I'll do that because you said so. Um, <laughs> wait, wait. I'm going to remove it. But I just find that highly pretentious. Anyway, so I have to bring you back for sure to explore more on this topic. It was really, really nice having you on the show. All right? Awesome. I want to hear more about um, Ejia's book. Ejia, what's yours? Or what can you reach? Teresa.odj. So T-H-E-R-E-S-A dot O-D-I-G-I-E. Okay. All right, then. So get her on Instagram. Follow her. Go buy her book. Read her poems. Behind me now is the song Leave the Lights On by Beth Hart. The main music I like and I find that the commonality among all of the music I like or all of the poetry or things that I consume will have to be two things. First, the space. Like if we were to consider the journey of the person who wrote it and if they infuse that into their work. And also um, the picture of the human struggle, like especially vulnerability. So this song... I came across a song about three years ago and it's on one of my playlists. I have a love playlist on my phone and I decided to use it on this episode because I think it's befitting of the theme that was discussed earlier. It's a heavy song, the lyrics are heavy and I mean Beth's voice, she's just like a Janice Joplin, the only difference is that she's still alive and just the agony and, and the zest and just the humanity in her voice, you can really, really feel that. And that's the kind of emotion I want to evoke in, you know, um, anyone listening that must have had an interrupted childhood. Maybe this will move you to talk to somebody about it. And the hope eventually is that you leave the light on in your heart. Because it's never too late. Love you all. And that was the show. Thanks for listening. And enjoy the song. Little girl hiding underneath the bed Was it something I did? Must be something I said I leave the light on Better leave the light on Cause I wanna love I wanna live I don't know much about it I never did Seventeen and I'm all messed up inside I cut myself just to feel alive I leave the light on Yeah, I leave the light on Twenty-one on the run, on the run, on the run From myself, from myself and everyone I leave the light on 
Oh 